welcome to Got Punctum, a podcast exploring visual culture, creative practice, and the photo bookmaking process. Here, I interview contemporary photographers, critics, and curators. My one-to-one conversations are always candid and unscripted and come with hyperlinked resources available on our episode notes and on my website, jsibillasmith.com. Today, I am thrilled to bring you my conversation with Ben Don on his first monograph, The Enigma of Belonging, which was stunningly designed and published with Radius Books. Ben brilliantly innovates alternative photographic processes to masterfully synthesize his art making with his intention. He has given us a gift of beauty and hope as he imbued memory, belief, and belonging into a living history. I'm so glad you're here for our conversation. Ben, I was introduced to you in Arizona over lunch and a museum visit with artist Jane Lindsay back in 2015. We also attended Look 3 in Virginia, where you had a solo exhibition of your Yosemite daguerreotypes. And I last saw you when your inaugural monograph, The Enigma of Belonging, published with Radius Books, was being featured at Paris Photo. Thank you for taking the time in your full teaching schedule to meet with us to discuss your creative practice, your innovative photographic techniques, and the bookmaking process. Each body of your work captivates me, in part because of how you deeply layer context and content and allow both to breathe through your hauntingly beautiful and evocative imagery. I know the processes you choose are laborious ones. They are intensive, fickle, and fragile. When the stars, or more often in your case, the sun, aligns, the result of your craft is a unique, unreproducible object. Your subject matter is both ephemeral and evidence-based. It is elusive, as in memory and imagination, and as non-negotiable as the aftermaths of our atrocities. You speak of history as a living, present entity that all sensate beings share in experiencing simultaneously. You innovate a means to provide a perfect metaphor by marrying intention with process. Your work is a negotiation of personal and political history, the experience of an individual and a collective. You investigate family, nationality, culture, expectations, rituals, our belief systems, and our monuments to them. You see and engage with the battle scars of craters, the result of war in Vietnam, and their transformation into rice paddies. You address the ongoing systemic destructions of genocide and war. Upon readings and reflections on your work, or spending time with readings and reflections on your work, I see it as a form of reincarnation. You weave memory to memory. You link them and us 
you and me. You honor the dead in a manner that offers regeneration. A spark of their presence is reignited, and with it, the power of their silent testimony is released. I believe you offer a harbinger to the living, the knowledge of our utmost connectivity, our place in the belonging of things, and our agency to work to create justice. In your bodies of work, you offer a window to your subject while you offer a mirror to your viewer. I think of your innovation of chloroform prints creating image imprinted leaves as a benediction and a prayer. These works embody the essence of vulnerability and strength. They share our collective truths in they share our collective truths in our face while whispering of the possibility of righteousness and the message of hope. This book is a beautiful orchestration of your poetic imagery. Like sound waves, each precious, precious project ripples through time and space, a calling to our collective imagination to allow, allow no life or life form to eclipse another. I was struck by the words of Andrew Lamb in Lost Photos, one of the essays in your book. Quote, precious things lost are transmutable. They refuse oblivion. They simply wait to be rendered into testimonies, into stories and songs, end quote. You animate a line in the poem Robert Schultz wrote in the catalog of your exhibition in the eclipse of Angor. He wrote in the Shankiri tree, I love this line, to green the knowledge, to green the tree of knowledge rung by rung. I am grateful for how you grow our knowledge and point us towards expanding our collective agency. Welcome, Ben. Well, thank you so much. Oh my God, that is so wonderful. I'm so fortunate to have this piece by you. Um, I've never heard anything like that about my work before. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm deeply moved. Deeply, thank you. You're so welcome. And I knew it from the very beginning. It was like when I saw your work, you know what I have because the book has not arrived. This is what I have from uh -huh. I don't remember if I got this during look three, but yeah, this is the ghost of Kamir, loss and yes. memory. So it I didn't, I don't know where I picked this up, but anyway. Anytime I've encountered your work, I have been so moved. And I knew you had these layers and there's this quality of gentleness at the same time as being hit over the head. Hmm. That's how I would, that's how I experience it. I've never, oh God, I, I've never heard anybody express it that way. I never thought about that way too. Um, being being um not I know not physically hit over the head but just <laughs> yes. struck and it's and it's and it's just just um it's a it's a powerful way to think about work that that does that you know and a lot of the work that I'm attracted to through 
studying about photography, about visual arts, do that for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the first time where I realized that you can make work about difficult subject matter was when I was a college student. I went to uh, Kara Walker's exhibit at San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Mm-hmm. And I was just, as you just mentioned, hit over the head. I was blown away that that, that an artist is able to take these subject matters, the history of of, of, of um, slavery, the, the dark history, which we're still dealing with here in the, in the country, and able to transform mm. um, these imageries, making it both engaging, but also um, repulsive, uh, repulsive in ways, but then we keep coming back for more, you know? And, and, I, and I feel feel like that it's definitely the power of what a work of art can do, right? It, mm-hmm. It's coming to mm-hmm. also, to, you know, difficult subject matter, as well as matters, um, subject matters about beauty at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's what's so interesting. Yes, I think what I feel is that force, that it is like a feather, but it is also like a, 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 I know you use the word elemental, and I actually use the word elemental and concept aware too, in the sense that it's it's there's an elemental force that is both gentle and forceful. Um, and if you think of any of the things in nature, right, wind, ocean, etc. But I also believe you are holding space for that paradox of beauty and real horror, frankly, or challenge. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, those both are true. Those both are evident in our lives if we're willing to to look at it and the challenge is to hold them uh, at the same time. Yeah, you know, and I think that's where, um, I, I always wonder why, why do people are gravitate toward um, you know, we take cinema, for example, movies where, you know, there's obviously a lot of m- movies about joy and comedy, but there's also movies about very dark, dark subject matters, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and why do people want to see things like that? But I think it's it's as you get to this this um, this core of being human, you know, mm-hmm. that you're able to experience sometimes you know sadness and I know other life forms able to experience sadness but to to but then to also reflect it onto your own I would say species in a way Mm -hmm. to communicate these ideas um and again and of course not everything I do it's 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 grunge it's you know it's um um sad or or morbid but it's mm-hmm. but it's definitely a subject matter that I kind of start my journey with when I start making art early mm-hmm. on, and and it kind of lingers around and it comes and go, um, just the way you know we have emotions every day that that kind of comes and go, and mm-hmm. and, and 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 the you know to be able to feel that to feel joy and to feel sad, it's to basically to be able to to live, you know. Yeah, you know, to be fully alive. Yeah, 
Yeah. I was going to um, ask you a specific question because there was a quote that I loved and I believe um, I read a lot. So sometimes I'm not sure if I'm, if this is from the book, I think it is, um, but it could have been from something else as well, where you said, the camera has given me the desire to never stop learning. Photography is the tool with which I examine the world in all of its complexity. And it all started with a trip into the forest. And and I was so funny. I was like, okay, what trip into the forest? <laughs> like, <when? laughs> that is true. Yeah. Like, so, so, yeah. Well, yes. you know, um, I pick up the camera when I was um, in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, I want, as, as a kid, I always wanted to go camping. And it was mm-hmm. something that my parents didn't have. Um, I, I wouldn't say we didn't have the means. We just didn't have the desire to mm-hmm. my parents didn't have the desire to 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 do to do this very iconic American um leisure thing to do, which is to head out into the forest. Mm-hmm. Um and a, a lot of have to do, of course, of, of our own history of our association with camp yes. and and refugee camp and living out in the elements. And um, you know, I think even my aunt was telling me when we first came to the US, you know, when we landed, you know, she, she touched that concrete, you know, which she never really felt before mm-hmm. growing up in Vietnam and um, living in um, for a year in the re- refugee camp, but just feel like this, this thing called concrete, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. I was like, wow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, when I was in the fifth grade, a class um, field trip was to go out into um uh, camping for for a week, I think it's for the whole week, and I was very excited. And my father bought me um, a point and shoot camera, and I I I was excited to have this camera. Um, and when I got there, all I remember is just taking taking up this camera through through the window of the bus, just trying to photograph <laughs> that scene right away. Like I want I I somehow knew at the moment that the photographs was very special to photograph was very special and and the thing with photography too is that um you know once you start making pictures and we all do that you know in personal pictures and pictures that we we produce for for fine art mm-hmm. um means but we know that when we when we look at that picture again we we remember the event that happened remember how what happened when we took it you know stuff that most other folks don't probably need to know anyway but um but that but now I still have this this um scrapbook of all these photographs you know and every time I look at it I just re- I'm just brought back to that time period of, of being a kid and looking through the viewfinder and knowing that the tree that I'm pointing to is I'm focusing on that tree and I'm giving that tree attention or giving this river or or, or a, a classmate portrait in, in the scrapbook attention. And so that's where um, photography just really changed me. And I knew it was something that I wanted to to do for for most of my life, but I didn't know that I could actually make a career out of it. And mm. then that didn't come later on until, you know, heading into college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You're making me think too, um, in the essay in your book about lost photos, the idea that your family did live in a refugee camp that had to leave with very, very few possessions that you yourself didn't get a family image 
until you went back to Vietnam and saw your grandmother, this idea of uh, the story in the book of burning the evidence and 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 that connectivity. I mean, it it just it's all those layers. That's the ripples that I feel in your work. Here's your uh, awareness that your attention to an object is a special relationship. And then it just seems like you cooked that idea so well and and really utilized it. That's why I talk about embody, like you wrestled with it. Wasn't it in high school that you actually um, started to innovate how to do the chloroform prints? Well, it was more later, later on in college okay. um, where I was thinking about a project to to work on on my thesis, my BFA thesis show. Um, but 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 my my relationship to imagery is growing up, um, you know, being from Vietnam and being, um, I guess, associated to the Vietnam War in ways mm. that the public consciousness is. It's when you think about Vietnam. I don't. I don't know how it is today, but growing up, I would see so many imageries of devastation. And and I grew up in my um, my father's TV repair shop, and I, I would spend all my time watching these Vietnam War movies, trying to understand this history that my parents never talk about. Mm -hmm. So it was always these imageries of devastation that was around me. And then I would look at imageries of the national parks. You know, stuff that came through the mails to calendars and real estate, um, you know, advertisements of, you know, stuff that they send you to, to, to advertise. But I was, very, I was as a, as a boy, just looking through these pictures and always wanting to, 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 um, to go to these places. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my association with foot photograph. And, you know, I grew up in a time where my family actually didn't make a lot of pictures, you know, it wasn't, it was film and, once in a while, you'll drop a roll film off. You know, we still have our family album, and it's like that that album is still the same size. You know, it's like <laughs> it's stuck in this. It's like a time capsule. It's really stuck mm -hmm. in the spirit, you know. Mm -hmm. And of course, everything is all digital. We don't physically see it anymore. We don't pull it out. Mm -hmm. But but not having these sort of historical photographs of your family, like these archive, was something that I was missing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, like, you know, the going back to Vietnam and meeting my grandparent, grandparents for the first time and, and finding these pictures of myself and my family was so eye-opening because it was like, wow, here we are in Vietnam. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm mm-hmm. There was something I picked up on um, that really was beautiful where you described the process and 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 this idea in the chloroform prints also uh, really in all your processes, but it deals with this idea of elemental transmigration, the decomposition and composition of matter into other forms um, and how you were able to take images of war or people who had been in war uh, you know, victims and perpetrators to become part of the leaves and to live outside them. I think, I think that I'm curious of when that idea formulated when, cause it is an aha moment, I think. Yeah, it is in a way. And, and it, it, 
you know, and now as an, an artist who's very, you know, conscious of my the way I try to figure out where these ideas come from, how does this all happen, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. like we all try to do in our studio practice. And, <laughs> and as you mentioned, you know, I mean, I, I was, I guess, 22 years old. I wasn't sure when, when, but it was basically in 2001 is when I, um, um, sort of got produced this process, which is which I call chlorophyll print. But but you're right; it actually started earlier on. It didn't just happen that one day, but it was just through the accumulation of of these experiences. You know, like. When I was again, when I was a kid, watching the lawn color changes due mm. to lawn tools not being put away, mm. Mm. <laughs> and, and 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 then of course learning about atoms. You know, when I was a, I was in elementary school. I just loved going to the science lab and picking up these um, blocks of resin, and there's these um, specimens in them or mm. dust from the moon, mm -hmm. and then of course you know. Um, my association to um, Vietnam War imageries and, and the elemental qualities of what happened in, in these moments that the, the cameras was able to capture, like, like the, the, the image of the um, Buddhist monk who, mm. who um, lit himself Emulated. on fire. Mm -hmm. And the, the cloud, the smoke kind of just, you know, comes out of his body, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then a lot of that also comes down to um, growing up in a Buddhist um, household where my mother would be, was, every night she will pray at the altar with these families, dead relatives pictures mm -hmm. all, all over, you know, the altar. Mm -hmm. And we always look towards um, our, um, ancestors. our ancestry, you know, ancestors just, just, just for, for, for for answers or for yeah. guidance and ways and and the incense that's you no know, lit and and it's it um fill the whole house with the smell of um of a temple in a way yes. so so I think it's you know um just those little moments throughout life kind of make me really think a lot about just the particles and the elements you know learn about atoms and now we have beyond that string theories and quantum physics which we won't go into but just all that materials and then when you started to 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 practice photography in high school you started to you know understand about the process of light and and silver you know um salt and how that becomes sensitive and how um all that is needed to create an image um, so it's very photography. I I was very lucky because I started with photography in a very physical way, you know, mm -hmm. ways that 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 um, I still connect with today with the way I, I make a picture, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, there's there's ways as in the 21st century to make photography. I mean, we have of course you no know, digital, but we, we're you know the just the idea that we're where um um pix, pixel pusher or whatever I forgot that term, but, where, <laughs> mm -hmm. but that's still thinking about like wow you're just pushing these pixel around mm -hmm. on your monitor but you're still thinking about it in this sort of physical way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting to see that difference, which I have, as I work in the field with people that um 
have darkroom experience versus being digital natives. It's a very interesting bridge um, that you bring up. But I love what you're describing because the layering of your, like your physical relationship to photography, um, I guess what I feel and was trying to describe is the idea that there's so many things that went into who you are and how you have lived that are also growing through your work. Like that whole idea of a Buddhist um, belief of the of of vegetation uh of being connected with everything but i think you took it to this step of the the actual earth the landscape the plants are witness and then you activate this relationship as if to see, you know, to, to, to listen, observe, um, be in a communion with, to say, what are you telling me? Or what can you tell me? Or the idea that you saw the marks on the lawn where the stuff wasn't put away and left an imprint, like this power of the sun. It was so interesting when I was thinking about your work and I thought of the idea, like you've used the word, the words enigma and eclipse and, and and I literally was looking up scientifically if there, you know, it's it, it's I'm looking, I never found what I was looking for, but it's this idea that the sun, the moon, and um, Earth have this equidistant relationship, you know, that we don't think of one in front of the other. Hmm. It, it's kind yeah. of weird, but anyway, it was what you were making me think of. Is this? It's really us in relationship. And always, right, to the past, to our experience, it's this integration that I feel you've been so adept at. And and obviously, a certain level of observation of your own experience, which is, which is wonderful. And lastly, you made me think uh, a friend of mine uh, who's Hindu would talk about the principle, uh, a, a deep scientist, um, she would talk about uh, what is it uh, in terms of matter is neither created nor destroyed? Mm. It's just yeah. transformed. Transformed, yes. Yeah, and I, I, I hear that in your work. Yes, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's something I think a lot about how, um, you know, how history is recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and how history is transformed, and if history is something ever in the past, um, but in the ways that I um, illustrate these ideas through my work is to talk about history as that's always something in the present, mm-hmm. in the present moment, and and history has to happen. I mean, one has to be there to receive the history for it to become, I guess, something in the past mm-hmm. in ways, but mm-hmm. it's. It's it's there. It's there through the books. It's there through the documentary. It's there through our, you know, the way we look at information online these days by googling, you know, by Wikipedia or googling. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's there through the way we we um, the arts we make, right? Mm-hmm. I think everything about. I think the reason. I mean, the one reason why I think artists do what they do is because they want to leave something for those in the future to mm. look at. Mm. And it's, I mean, I think it's something obviously Walt Whitman um, uh, talks about 
in the work in many of his work and writings where it's about the, the future people who's going to be reading those poems, you know, like the the voice of Walmart women becomes alive again. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, a work of art has to be activated with a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that history can also be alive again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like in the work of like the ancestral altars, the um, um, imageries of, the the poor I you know they were first considered there were first mug shots of mm-hmm. victims of the Khmer Rouge regime. Yes. Um, but for me, I wanted to pretty much transform those mug shot into ancestral altars, you know, mm-hmm. like those my mother will pray in front in front mm-hmm. of to give to give these these um, victims a, a sort of a. a, a a funeral so they could be remembered yes. too. And then that atrocity yep. can also be remembered in ways um, that we can obviously learn from, from it, um, which mm-hmm. we, we never do anyway. But it's but it's it's just um, you know, it's these little efforts that, that I think a lot of artists um, who deal with difficult subject matters um want to um shed light on so then you know we're and, and it's you know it's what photography does best too is to document and and even though i i don't think of my work working in a very doc like traditional documentary way mm-hmm. but i am obviously in a way making a like a documentary film if you want to think on that level like i'm taking the subject matter and this becomes you know supposed to it's supposed to teach us something Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because what you brought up for me, um, and I and I love thinking about this. And, and ironically, we just had a uh, a life exhibit that came out of Princeton Art Museum come to the Boston MFA, and the concept that at a certain point in America there was a collective frame that we were given some of the same things to look at and some of the framing around it, which we don't have any of that anymore. And it's, you know, the idea that you went back into the visual culture of the time and and, and, and married covers of life um, and utilize the, the vernacular of the culture. Um, and in so doing, that's where we get the mirror and we start to learn. I, I, I was amazed in one of the things I saw, um, you had brought up the photograph of the monk who put himself on fire in the protest. And at the time there was even a postcard made of that and mm-hmm. distributed. So this idea of um, where we get our collective vocabulary visual and otherwise and how we how we look at that frame we 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 are in such a different time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that you made me think of that um there was something recently about um photographers covering the war in the ukraine and they were commiserating that it's very difficult to show unique photographs of ground warfare that that it's repetitive yeah. of seeing tanks and destruction of of buildings and people. And so it's this idea of just um, what you described about documenting 
and the role of photography. And I think it's very interesting that part of your research is a collection of so many voices. You know, you yes, you had the mug shots from the Khmer Rouge, but you also put soldiers' faces, people who fought in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think I'm really curious about how expansive you were in in almost a, a not an equanimity, but an ability to just look from so many different vantage points. Were you conscious of that? Yeah, in ways, in ways, I, um, I am, and I, and especially the work about the Vietnam War. I, mm-hmm. I was very conscious in size. I guess when we talk about you know size of a war, we have enemy, we have um, the heroes, or we have you know where through the media these these um, tropes are are shaped through mm-hmm. these messages. As you were talking about the frame, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. It, the frame that um, people like to shape history and to um, uh, get out of that frame. And, and, and you, you mentioned Life Magazine. I mean, Life Magazine um, was a, you know, started like a like a leisure in a way magazine and, and maybe more industrial stuff and mm-hmm. lo- like life, you know, itself, that's mm-hmm. the American life. But then when you started seeing these pictures that came out during the Vietnam War to people's homes, people start canceling subscription because because that that the, that's the, not the frame they want to see American eyes through. You know, like we, um, we and I guess say we as an American, myself included, you know, are are a force in 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 in, in the international community, right? In ways mm-hmm. that are are positive and, and negative, and 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 there's nothing wrong about learning both of it and and also in a way understanding both and 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 understand why we do what we do as as a country right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so so yeah when you know when i was growing up i i was um a pastime was to go my parents would take the kids we'll all you know get into the van and Back in the days, you didn't have to wear your seatbelts. So my <laughs> father would put a, a whole sofa in the back of a box van and would just be sitting on the sofa yeah. riding along, you know, which was our delivery um, uh, TV um, home service sofa, uh, van. But we would go to these like anti-communism rally that will mm. happen throughout the, the San Jose area. And, mm-hmm. and there was, I mean, they were very violent for a kid to experience you know the shouting and 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 the confusion mm-hmm. and the the effigy of Ho Chi Minh being um, burned and and it just really left me confused and and once in a while you'll be um in the Vietnamese American community um driving down the road with your family and then you just notice it's just this big protest in front of a business because maybe there, there might because maybe the business owner had ties to um, nor, the communism North Vietnam, and, and and so I, I was always curious about like, wow, how does it feel like to be on the other side too? Mm-hmm. So that that kind of, you know, kind of allowed me to just imagine myself in in these different position, and 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 that's what the one thing I think. Um, I, it, like 
being em uh, empathy has, you know, that kind of see yourself in someone else, even though it might not be the best, you know, good person or not, but you know, but then you kind of try to just figure, not figure it out, but just to understand, like, um, well, not even understand, but just just have a, a, a bigger view of, of things and, and the complication within within these these um, histories. Um, and, you know, it's it's just a matter of, I guess, of understanding. Um, well, I think, I mean, that's the expansiveness I picked up on. You were very willing to look from so many different vantage points. Yeah, and in, and in the Vietnam War series, a lot of it, the commonality, of course, of the imagery that I appropriated was the the actual lives being taken in ways of, you know, uh, civilians' lives versus um, uh, military lives, you know, soldiers mm -hmm. on both sides. I mean, the destruction that just happened within that war was just really devastating if you look at the 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 data and 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 it's it they they um there was a statistic where there was um if you take all the um ammunition the explosion throughout southeast asia during the period of the vietnam war it it equates to 640 hiroshima hiroshima bombs exploding on that part of the country, you know, that's just devastating just to mm -hmm. understand the, the power of, of, you know, Americans military, but not just America, but just the, the, the combination of war, you know, mm -hmm. where, where the real victims are the civilians, you know, mm -hmm. who, who probably are not even taking sides at all, but mm -hmm. are just trying to live their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, and I, I mentioned to you in an email, because we hadn't spoken about it, that I was in elementary school when my brother was drafted and served in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciated your expansive view in the sense that um, you saw a commonality to the destruction regardless of where or how someone was a part of it. Um, and uh, that certainly rang true um, for the impact. Uh, and, 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 and ironically, as you gathered information and watched different movies, I literally couldn't watch movies mm. and did not and have not watched movies that reference mostly any war, but especially Vietnam. Mm. And um, it wasn't until I was a young adult that I realized I went to a movie, I think it was called Breaker Morant, and it started to be a war event in front of me. And I'm looking around the theater, kind of looking at what people have on, et cetera. And it dawned on me, I was doing anything I could not to take it in. So it's an interesting thing in terms of like what you evoke in terms of memory and and imagination um and certainly my experience i mean i had a very real experience with vietnam because of my dear brother being yeah. there and me being young enough to not understand anything like real confusion over the whole thing um uh so anyway it it opened up so many doors 
uh, for me um, in looking at your work. I wanted to ask, because I love concept, obviously, and the development and layering of it in work, and you are a master at that. Um, But I do want to give time to your bookmaking and how that came about and what it felt like to bring three major works together and choose these authors, several I know you've known over time or have been walking alongside your work for a while and thinking about it. Um, This must feel so amazing. Definitely, definitely does feel amazing. And and I'm still, um, I'm still feeling it because it's, it's still sort of a, a fresh, a fresh book, and yeah. Um, as you mentioned, your copy hasn't arrived yet. My yeah. my copy hasn't arrived. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I actually do have one copy that is sort of like a my desk copy, which I show people. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's sort of every photographer's dream, I guess, or mm. um, just just to have um, work collected in, in a book. It's. You know, it's somebody, one of my colleagues yesterday was telling me, it's like better than a website. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, it's true. Yes, and, but it's it is. Gonna, you know, it's not like a website where everybody could see it, but then like a website, everybody could click away too, where a book really demands, and it's like a work of art. I mean, the book is a work of art where it demands your attention and it, and it doesn't, and you know, you're not, you're not allowed to click anywhere else other than just flip the page and maybe spend 30 minutes or come back to it or put it on the shelf and and maybe give it away and that's that's the thing about um where i think we're we're going through another renaissance of like the actual material um, mm. you know coming out of the pandemic where so much of our experiences is online and 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 now they're saying bookstores are coming back again people want a book and a one an ebook you know and mm-hmm. and, photo- and, and and photography photograph books as we all know really exploded in the last couple um years you know mm-hmm. where there's just so many many books out there and and um and to be part of that book community is like for me an amazing um experience you know and and mm-hmm. I've, I've never really imagined my work um in a book in ways you know mm-hmm. because i never thought about because um, the work itself is always about the work and it's about the physical object. And, and especially when I started making daguerreotypes, I was thinking, well, how, how can this even be translated into mm. a, something on a printed page? And of course, working with radius, they they figure a way to, to do it. And it's, it's a different way than the actual daguerreotype um, um, work, but it's close enough that you kind of get this this magical feeling when 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 you look at a daguerreotype object you know you actually mm-hmm. so sort of see yourself in in, in the uh the, the picture mm-hmm. how much it's it's so moving um you know that there's there like i can even think of when i've seen daguerreotypes and i this happened to me at look three that i wanted to photograph your photograph and i can't right <laughs> it's like absolutely impossible to get it you, and which I think is great, honestly, right? That the better yeah. thing is the experience I had of standing in front of it. And too bad I can't capture that, you know, because I just get all the reflection, right? I'd either yeah. get the reflection behind me of the light or, yeah, me <laughs> in it. So when when you were making the book, how did you choose your authors? And And you are a collector and had so much ephemera, like 
did you, I'm curious always to know how much your decision making landed when you got involved with David and other people in the Radius team, because I think they are master at layering concept in very unique ways. But I, I'm curious as to how you formulated it, the idea that you have it in a slip cover and so what were some yeah, of those so choices? All, all or? of the design choices and even mm -hmm. the conceptual choices of having sort of actually two volume in, 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 in as, as a book mm -hmm. um, kind of, of course, came through um, some of the book dummies that I put together when mm -hmm. Radius uh, approached me. And now, now I'll give you the be behind the story. I was, you know, again, I, I'm very fortunate that I got this call from Radius tell me that they have this fellowship and they want to see if I want to work on a book with them. Mm. I was like, oh my God, this is, and, you know, <laughs> this, well, and then they say, of course, you know, we need to like talk to you first to make sure, you know, you're able to, to do this because this is like a, a quick turnaround, right? Where I, I know a lot of people spend years and years um, sitting on their books and thinking about taking it apart and putting it back together. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have that, but I knew, of course, just doing, giving lectures about work that, you know, in a way, when I even speak about my work, it's like, you know, presenting a book of my work, you know, in this presentation format. Um, so I, I I quickly threw together, you know, like like the way one of my artist lectures will, will appear, you know, these are the bodies of work and these are the content and how these are connected. So I kind of just send them that. Um, and 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 it was through just going back and forth with, with David and the design team um, that the Nigma belonging became what it is today, you know. And 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 you know, there's two books. The the first book is just um, the imageries of, of the chlorophyll prints and the daguerreotypes of the national parts. And then the second book is more of an academic book where. Um, there's um, doc, black and white documentary photographs of a refugee camp that I, my mom and I um, visited in 2003. And then these um, ephemeral materials I collected in my research on, on, on bodies of works. And then of course, that's where all the essay kind of went into that book too. So the idea was to actually have um, sort of two book open up at the same time while you're looking through the first book, you can also reference the, the second yeah. book. I'm not mm -hmm. sure that's gonna happen, but you know, it, the, I, the, the, the design idea was there and, and it was something like, well, let's, let's just try this out. And I think um, Radius uh, as, a, as in a really amazing publishing book, art and photo book publisher is that they're just like artists. They are artists, they just yeah. want try this out too and 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 put this together and so it's um I'm looking over here because I'm looking at the book itself <laughs> I know you here I did get to see it in in yeah, Paris right. photo right. and I loved that you also offered it with a print I believe did oh, you yeah yes there's uh there's a um collector's edition um yeah. which we're not really pushing out too much but there's the book is obviously over budget <laughs> and, and it's nothing I didn't do I didn't I was saying I'm working I'm gonna work within your budget but but then the idea just started to grow and then of course the silver gorgeous um, printing that comes with the daguerreotype which has never been done before in printing daguerreotype work you know mm. 
it's this is this is totally never been done and wow. and through um the the book was printed in verona italy mm-hmm. where um a, a number of art and photo books are are printed and and um david chicky was able to locate a um a wine label maker <laughs> who's willing to for one week shift gear and 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 wow. print um the foil for wow. for the um for the daguerreotype surface so this i uh, i don't have um wow. self view on right now so hopefully i am you've got I'm, it i've got it yes yeah anyway, so this foil <laughs> down wow um and then the the special um uh uh color inks were were matched with the daguerreotype to print the the image wow. part of it. Wow. So, um, so 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 in a way, you know, you, you, unlike a daguerreotype where it's really mirror um, reflective, where you can actually see yourself, this you can still see yourself in the way you see your environment, mm-hmm. and that's a part of the 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 daguerreotype process. I like is that you're you're very conscious of yourself as a viewer when you look into it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and you and and you see the like if for your experience at look three, you see that community in the gallery also looking at art too, mm-hmm. and, and you're just there in the, the present moment, and and that's a the the unique um part. I, I call it a parlor's trick because it is smoke and mirrors, <laughs> you know, because it's it, it's and the reason why people always or you know, when they talk about. 19th century daguerreotype portraits of of 19th century people here is that it's like a ghost right when you yeah. look at it, like a yeah. ghost but it's really um the the image is made of silver particles mm-hmm. and it's on a reflective silver sheet um and what happened is just you're just reflecting the spaces around you so it feels like that person's floating in front of you like like a spirit so it has that quality. And mm. no other photographic process does that, right? In a way mm-hmm. that to this one process that became popular in the, the 1840s that um, mm-hmm. we um once once it was spread out, you know, we wanted to make pictures of ourselves because mm-hmm. we as human want to see ourselves in pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it was funny because I was reading and I think it was Joshua um, Chang who said something like, you know, who would make daguerreotypes in the 21st century? Because it's not easy. Um, and I kind of cracked up with that description. Right. And and that's and that's the other thing about my practice as an artist is to figure out, like, if they could do this in the in the 19th century, why can't we do this in the 21st century? Like. Mm-hmm. The you know it's this I mean it's not this is I mean obviously I cannot have the means to make a like a CCD or whatever sensor they are called today like mm-hmm. I don't have that with my hand or the tools to make that you know mm-hmm. but I can pick up a 19th century handbook of of um of daguerreotype process and just read through it and try to understand it and 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 in a way for me it was like cracking the coal yeah process you know i think it's one of the one of the alternative processes that is it's um 
ever since I was a student, ever since I laid my eyes on a daguerreotype, that was such a mystery. Like the process, even today, it's still such a mystery. Um, like, how can this happen? Like, how, I mean, how can an image like this becomes like this, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it is the magic, right, of photography. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting to think about um, I don't know when you were talking about coding, of course, I'm thinking of our digital age and I'm thinking about like all the ways in which we're doing this altered reality and, and yeah. it's so insular, right? The idea that you talk about watching in a daguerreotype, you are able to see the people that you are in community with as you're looking and, um, and how isolated on some level we can become. Um, but I feel like you've gotten this through thread, so many layers um, of the magic of photography and the spirit uh, capture and the science of, you know, what's physically happening to particles that are making this happen, that we then have these feelings and memories and uh, emotions in response to. It's funny. There's two things I, I was hoping to touch on before we finish and um, I'll, I'll reverse the order because um, there's one that I wanted. And again, I'm not sure of where I read this. Um, it was in one of the essays where it talked about Duchamp's creative act in which he describes the artist as a mediumistic, mediumistic, that's a hard word to say, a mediumistic being which I love because honestly, that's how I feel you are. Like you're this conduit, but you're working through the medium and you're letting the medium work through you. And uh -huh. there's this circularity. So I have a premise that punctum is, that is the circularity. And okay, we got the word from Roland, but the idea being in my mind that there's a circularity between the emotional connectivity slash awareness slash observation or even investigation of the creator that does imbue the object that then engages the viewer and that it's circular. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is that how you see it? Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> In a way, yeah. And the book is also another outlet to 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 um, have that circular um, um, response to the work where it it goes out. And, and again, photo books are. It doesn't seem like it's, it's not like um, you know literature books where there's like massive like of quantities of yeah it. distribution it, it, it distribute it's, it's you know it's only about i i don't know how many it's like a thousand five hundred mm -hmm. but but they do get themselves into libraries and, and mm. they do circulate in a very interesting way but but that um hopefully through the book that people go back to the artwork too, the actual mm -hmm. art and seek them out mm -hmm. and, and, and seek out the artist <laughs> while the yes. artist is living. Right. I mean, we yes. tend to think a lot about work. Um, we, 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 we tend to um, celebrate a lot of um, 
uh, dead artists work, but we have, <laughs> it is, we live in a time where, where, where so artists are so connected to each other and mm-hmm. we're just so normal people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. I wouldn't go that far, but okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, but, normal and we're normal to us, but I yeah. <laughs> But but no, I I I I agree. You know, again, that circular kind of um, cyclical kind of I can say that word. The cycle, yeah. The cycle is it's mm-hmm. it's it's just like, you know, like like again, the tree, right? Like um, it grows and then it drops leaves, and the leaves gets absorbed into the ground, and the energy is kind of brought back up again every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 art is. For me, even the practice of making art is like that because every time I'm, it took me a long time to understand the daguerreotype process, but I mm-hmm. kept on doing it and never gave up. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, I was spending the last couple of weeks making silver plates and the polishing and all that, and it's, it's hours and hours. But then mm-hmm. in that time, of course, I'm not just. Um, all quiet i'm listening to podcasts i'm listening to you i'm learning you know? as i'm obviously i'm very productive and i mm-hmm. i i had such a wonderful time just just making these plates and then of course dreaming what can these plates be you know in the future mm-hmm. in sceneries or pictures of people on them or whatever it is and the next project that i'm on mm-hmm. to you know mm-hmm. and that's the part where i feel too that i'm not um I'm not tied to um, industry, in, 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 but it's still in ways I am tied to. Um, you know, I'm tied to chemical labs and mm-hmm. and and you know, mining of coppers, obviously silver. All that is still my work. The materials of my work is still part of that. As any artist has to be in in negotiation with with their art material. Mm-hmm. Have to in ways. So so, but I'm not. You know, it's like. If photography changed tomorrow, if prints go away, I, I can still make a daguerreotype. I can still go back <laughs> to just the original recipes of photography. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm thinking about how you're using organic uh, forms. You're not using paper, right? So that's also yes. replenished. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And it's so exciting to see. Um, what people are doing with with the chlorophyll printing process out there. It's just mm-hmm. really amazing if I if I just um, follow the hashtag uh, chlorophyll prints and it's just mm-hmm. again, it's just um, it's it's nice it's nice to know that um, that you know do little my little efforts of of working with the photographic medium that mm-hmm. other people are also inspired to to make yes. photographs right and yeah and, and 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 see how that work speaks to their lives and. So, sorry about that. Yeah, and it is things bounce off, ideas grow. Well, the last thing I want, and and I don't want to end, but I I'm aware I have to at some point. One of the things I was really moved by, um, Joshua talks about it in in his essay um, of how deeply aware um, you are of being on indigenous land and recognizing indigenous people. And um, I think it was in Joshua's where he wrote, um, he's talking about 
the 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 national parks and and he said unacknowledged in their grandeur however is the fact that yosemite was hardly terra nullius but rather born of a violent project of colonialism yosemite mm-hmm. means those who kill in miwok And in 1851, a battalion led by James Savage drove out the Awanachi, which is a branch of the Southern Sierra Miwok tribe, who had inhabited the valley for hundreds of years. And then in your acknowledgement, I was very impressed by the specificity of all the layers of indigenous people that you acknowledged that was a great deal of awareness and obviously research. So tell us about that because that was impressive and necessary and illuminating. Yeah, well, um, you know, going to the national park is, at least for me, is is a very complicated journey. You know, Mm. it's, it's, most of the time navigating through one would say Trump countries mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with mm-hmm. you know flags of uh, make America great again. And then you get to this this gate where um, at first, you know, it's also kind of it's kind of scary to approach a national guard, a national mm-hmm. guard, a ranger, a park ranger mm-hmm. where there is mm-hmm. this uniform and and of course, they're there to assist you, to help you to get through, you know, through this gate. And then once you're inside the park, you feel like this is this is like federal land. Like this is mm. this is not this is not the county that you just went through, right? This is um, this is this is America. This is like what what we want America to be, the best of it, right? We call it our best ideas in ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but then we tend to forget those who care for the land before you know america as a concept as a you know statehood as whatever it is as a body that came together and took control of this place right mm-hmm. we 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 have a good way we have a we yeah we do a good job of trying to erase history mm-hmm. and 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 i always think of national parks and that's what they are. They are parts. They're gardens in a way. They're just big, very, very manicured places uh, for to set up these ideas of uh, of um, of Americanism and 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 um, ideas of um, democracy and stuff like that. Where sometimes the park itself is not democratic as as we want it to be. Access to the park and mm-hmm. and. Um, so it, it, I, I wanted to consider these complicated ideas because I think throughout the history, the photograph of National Park, you know, through the history of photography itself hasn't really touched upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't consider that of Ansel Adams. I mean, I, I'm not, not too much of an expert um, although I'm, a, a, you know, of all of Ansel Adams' work, you know, but 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 a lot of pictures of of landscape of national parks, black and white ones, are just just about scenery, just about the park. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like you know what's missing in those pictures are people and the history. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So whenever I'm out there photographing the park, I, I mean, I, I look for those sceneries too that are, that are there that attract my eyes. But I also know that when I'm working with the daguerreotype process, I'm bringing back the, the figure, the people looking at the work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, in, in this book, I was able to touch upon that. Again, it's not a full focus on it. And I'm really, I'm, 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 you know, I'm guilty too as a, someone who, who loves a national park. But I'm hoping that through the acknowledgement of just reading that, to understand that the complexity of of, of this place, of this land, that um, you know, the the way it was created, right? I mean, um, we we forget that Yosemite, yeah, as you mentioned, was was it was a there was war in Yosemite. You know, mm -hmm. the, those, those, the visuals of those are, are not there. It was just Carton Watkins visuals of, of this basically pristine place, you know, mm -hmm. and slowly I think a, a lot of other um, uh, researcher and artists are, are slowly uncovering that to get more complicated. And I, I wouldn't say complicate, but actually just to talk about it, right? To shed mm -hmm. lights on, on their, you know, knowledge on, on on these these histories and these um pictures that we we fall in love with um yeah. throughout time. well and again there you are doing what you do really well which is i think you bring light into dark places mm -hmm. and i think that's what you've done there i mean your acknowledgement is deep and and that again speaks to your expansive inclusivity that I saw through whatever subject matter you're, you're engaged with. So um, congratulations on this. I can't wait. I know that the books arrived in the warehouse Friday and I was shipped Friday and today's a Wednesday and I checked before we got on, but um, I'm so excited. <laughs> Oh wow! To you have, have you my have copy. information that I don't know. Thank you so much for letting me. Know. Well, we were like, could we find out if we're gonna see it before we talk? Um, <laughs> you know, so it was. It's it's anticipation. I'm very excited to to have it and add to my my collection with it, and and I'm certainly excited to see what you will do next because um, you have a very special way of honoring uh whatever you're working on so I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to seeing what that will be oh thank you so much Sibia. i've really enjoyed the conversation today and and um yeah i you really touch upon a lot of stuff that um i haven't really um hear much from just the, just the thinking about my work. And so thank you so mm. much for your insight too. Mm, you're very welcome. It's, it's, I say that the creative practice or process is my medium. So every artist gives me an opportunity to go in and play and understand. Um, I appreciate, it was Teju Cole who said that I enter the work with you. And that's my my privilege and my hope, right? Um, is to do that because there's so much agency in that to uh, bring out the information in the shadows. 
So, mm. and I think you mentioned somewhere about knowledge being so important to you and yeah, that, that we're all learning. And I love that rung by rung imagery uh, of the poem, right? Mm. So that's wonderful. So thank you so much. And, you know, I just um, had a conversation. I still haven't been on the phone with Jane, who uh -huh. hilariously, we have such a connection. She's come and stayed with me in Cambridge. And we have a hilarious, I don't know that we ever told you about this. We call each other the Boom Sisters. We literally <laughs> call each other Boom. <laughs> And it comes from, from one time I was helping, um, her sequence and, mm. and, and we were just discussing it like boom, boom, boom. And anyway, it became boom. And there was one, do you remember her image that has a woman that has a t-shirt on that basically is the F bomb. It's really in your face. And so anyway, we were, we, we called all the images boom, except that one, which we called F bomb. And, and we just, got ourselves so tickled working out this sequence and she's just been a joy. So she's who introduced me to you. So I'm so thankful. And she was your well, student, very, right? Yes. I'm yeah. very thankful to Jane too. She's, she's wonderful and, and making this introduction many years ago. And here we yeah. are. So, you know what she's um, doing too? She has an exhibition coming up in Lubbock and she's mm -hmm. embroidering which wow. I think is very cool. And um, I have one of her gems and I just love how, how she marries intent and process, right? She definitely works on that same wavelength. So that's exciting. And I don't know why I wanted to tell you this. This is like off recording, but um in terms of everything that you made me think about with my my history and my brother, I just wanted to tell you, um, so I was the youngest, he was the oldest, and we were inseparable. And I mm. didn't understand what was happening. Literally, all I knew, my mother was hysterical, mm. and I knew he was going away. But I was excited because my older siblings brought me to our favorite diner for dinner, which never happens like on a given day. And that was the day he left. So I have a visceral memory of that. And then I kind of got with the program over, you know, the years mm -hmm. that he was there and then my growing. I mean, I think when he came home, I was in sixth grade and, um, and then just all the layering of it. But the part I wanted to tell you was we wrote to each other and it was always on, um, he had the um, airmail green, you know, the blue stuff that would fold up. Mm -hmm. And I was a little kid and I had a camera that I won. I won my first camera by playing um, gin rummy with my dad and and building up a little pot of money and I bought a little camera and he was away. So I photographed everything. Like I'd get a new pair of shoes and I'd photograph my feet. Oh. I got braces and I photographed like my teeth. And this is what I would send to my brother. And I had Snoopy stationary, you know, the <sighs> peanuts character. So my brother would make a paw print on his, on his airmail to me. And oh. it's just amazing. The, outrageous memories I have. And, and the last anecdote, cause it is comical. I was learning to knit while he was away, had no idea 
about any of this. Is, <laughs> this will tell you how clueless I was. I was knitting red wool into a scarf and I sent it to him. I literally right. sent it to Vietnam. Why a wool mm-hmm. scarf and red? And then I was all bummed out when he came home without it. Like, that's what I'm talking about in terms of clueless. I did not understand. So (laughs) I just thought in all the ways in which you thought about this, and I know the layers of, of challenge it, it brings and has brought and, um, and the same, you know, my, my brother just went on, um, have you heard of this thing called an honor flight? Mm-mm. That this is an interesting thing because when he came back from Vietnam, he was as confused, right? He mm. he, there was all this protest. He was like uh, complicit in something, um, and then of course my dad was a World War II veteran, so of course that had such a different flavor. So it was very yeah. confusing, and um, so the honor flight brings veterans to. Washington and and this is all paid for through this foundation and they um, go to different memorials in Washington the Vietnam veterans etc and then they even do something called mail call which is obviously what they had at when they were soldiers and everyone can in your family write this just happened in November this year that my brother went on that and all of us wrote and my he's in upstate New York and all the family members that could like he didn't know but his family members like his grandchildren etc were at the airport at like 4 30 in the morning when they left and then other people like my sister came from New Hampshire like to be there when he came back it's quite amazing. Wow. And for him, just like you talk about your parents, don't talk about it. He hadn't either. I mean, in later years, a bit, but this cracked it open, cracked it open. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'll yeah. look that, that up. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I can send you something Um, because they, they did the TV station near him did a whole piece on it and it was interesting the the commentator sat next to my brother he calls her her name Stephanie his new best friend and I think my brother's um experience was so different first of all he was in combat and a lot of the people that were with him were not um and and she wove his story through this piece I'll I'll have to send it to you was very moving because I can tell you it was a black hole in his life his whole life um yeah yeah and um and this was so interesting yeah yeah so wow, wow. yeah thank you so much for sharing that yeah yeah and last piece on a comical note in terms of being like i'm second generation so my parents being first uh-huh. you know i didn't even get to talk about i had a whole section on assimilation versus mimicry Right. And <laughs> and and I can tell you that I ran in the opposite direction. I mean, I grew up with every, all four of my grandparents born in Ireland, immigrated as a result of the layered famine to yeah. what was and wasn't possible there. And hilariously, I ran in the opposite direction of everything Irish. Right. Because it was my parents were so the bridge right between mm-hmm. and none of my grandparents went back ever 
but I was able, I went back with my parents, which was fascinating. Yeah. And helpful. So that whole thing is rather fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Layers. to have that connection just to, to go back in ways like, you know, for you, it's like, you know, what, what is that going back is, you know, it's not, yes. but just to have that connection with your grandparents at that time, that's been it. I got to go to all of their um, homesteads. Like one of them, it, one of them, it doesn't exist anymore, um, but they're in four different parts of the country. If you did like a diamond shape, but they all met here. And what was fascinating for me is one of my, my mother's mother uh, grew up in a thatched roof, cottage, dirt floor. And I was there and my mother's cousin, who was born in the Bronx in New York City, lived there with his family. Mm. And it was it was so far out and remote. Uh, it was fascinating to see this family move from a more modern time back to this, but to know that that was actually where it was really cool. I saw my other, my father's father's uh, home. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. That just reminds me of my my mom and I when we took that trip to the 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 refugee camp, you know, just with her and she could tell the stories. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting to see. And the layers of how my parents had very different immigrant experiences. Um in terms of adaptation, assimilation, etc. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, well so good to talk with you. So and I can't wait till I get the book. And thank you. Thank you. And when we put this together, which we will in the next two weeks, we'll give you all that info and ask you to, to put it out on social media, et cetera. Radius does a great job of that. that yes. they, they help amplify. So I'm excited. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on Got Punctum. We appreciate when you take the time to rate, review, and follow our podcast. We read and enjoy the feedback. I'm going to share with you a recent review. The title is Inspired Every Time. Sibylla thinks so fast and so interconnectedly, it leaves me breathless. She is whip smart and fun in conversation with her artists. I am often inspired to stop the podcast, look up content, and make notes for future work. Always inclusive, she has a broad spectrum of interesting artists. It's a masterclass for photography enthusiasts. Thank you so much for that reflection. And that's exactly what we hope to do. We do feel like we're giving a lot of content, especially the hyperlinked resources. And we hope that we engender many explorations in rabbit holes on all manner of photography and visual culture. We'll see you next time.